Alright, welcome in Outsiders. Got another great episode, the Outsiders Sports Football Podcast here for you. It's August 1st, we're recording this Tuesday evening here. At time of recording, just a little over two days, we're going to have our first NFL action, the Hall of Fame game, the Jets and Browns. Yes, it's not the real thing, but it's it's the appetizer to the real thing. And certainly after all these months, Corey, and making his Outsider Sports football debut, John, Pauline, we got here. I mean, it's just, it's time. It's time. Tonight, we're going to talk the NFC North. We're going to start our division deep dive series. And I mean, I've been seeing all the training camp highlights. I saw a sick George Pickens one-handed grab uh, over Joey Porter Jr. Then he went over and talked trash to Joey Porter Sr. But with all the highlights of training camp do come to lowlights, we're going to talk some of the injury news. Obviously, viewers, you see the Jonathan Taylor shirt behind me. That is a whole saga. I'm not emotionally ready to discuss that quite yet. And, of course, we're still waiting for a resolution to that one way or another. So we'll get to that in the coming weeks. But to get started, guys, our quick question of the day. A lot of teams around the NFL released throwback jerseys. I think more than I remember any other year. So which one of these? I know John here for everyone. He's an Eagles fan, so we still got the Giants-Eagles dynamic here. I know John's answer already. I think it's the objectively correct answer, but which jerseys can't you guys wait to see in action this season? Obviously the Kelly Green, Eagles-Kelly Green. That's the only answer, the only right answer. Every other answer is wrong. Dylan's not here. We don't We don't have to, to play nice with the Eagles this <laughs> week. Yeah, go ahead. You Feel free to just bully John on his debut show. It's okay. Taking a step back, removing fandom from it. The, the Kelly Greens are sick, right? They, they feel like 80s football. And I feel like the 80s probably had the best uniforms out of every era. They just had the colors that just popped. You didn't have these teams that just – Kind of went like a like a simple, you know, almost monochrome look. Kind of like the Browns, the Giants. I mean, even the Colts, right? They just the blue and the white. Like it's just simple. None of this color that popped. You had the Broncos, right? They had the creamsicle orange. Kind of like the Bucks and their creamsicles. How did creamsicles in the NFL? I didn't realize that because the, the Broncos orange kind of looks similar to the Bucks. But anyway, I think my favorite removing the Eagles Kelly Green because that's going to live in my nightmares for years. Seeing that, just seeing every single one of those guys just laying on top of DJ just shakes me to my core. But I love the Pats, that red kind of a Minuteman logo outfit, that that uniform. To me, that's what the Patriots should be, that just red, white, and blue. None of this dark blue Tom Brady era. Go back to when the Pats first made the Super Bowl in the 80s and rock those. I love that. I don't know about you guys, though. The one I hate, I hate that the Titans are rocking the Oilers. That is cultural appropriation. The Oilers are Houston. They belong with the Texans. You don't get to up and leave a city and take that history with you. That history belongs with the city because the city is what makes a team. When you leave, you become a new team. The Brooklyn Dodgers and the L.A. Dodgers are not the same, right? That's L.A., Brooklyn, they still love their Dodgers. A lot of them became Met fans because they couldn't stomach being Yankee fans. But still, they held that. That's pride. So when you move and then you start to like have a throwback, it's kind of like the the Ravens having you know Browns Day. It ju- it just doesn't make sense. The Titans should just you know rock with something Music City, create their own 
uniforms that they can then have throwbacks down the line. But leave the Texans to have that Oiler throwback. That's just my opinion, at least. I'm sure people disagree with me, but I think that's just how it should be. Yeah, definitely a debate to be had about the lineage of teams. Like we were talking about before we hopped on air here, you know, where do the Browns, you know, do the Ravens have claim to that? Are the Browns in existence again? Do they just pick up where they left off? And even the Colts used to be in Baltimore. So do they have claim to Baltimore's history or do the Ravens do? But for me, I really like Seattle's. I, I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I think Seattle's current uniforms are one of the worst in the league. So any fewer games I have to see those, that's a big W. And I do think their throwbacks are really sick too. You like the uh, neon, I, the neon green color the rush? Neon green work. No. Uh, no, no. As an accent piece, it works with that that brighter blue. Any other basically uniform that they have, I'm not a fan of. And you mentioned the Bucks creamsicles. I'm sorry. I just never overly enjoyed it. That's my uniform hot takes for the year. Let's get into the training camp news here. So Joe Burrow had the nation holding its collective breath last week when he went down on the field. The silver lining is it's only a calf strain, much less catastrophic than the initial fears indicated. He's hopeful to be back for week one. Jalen Ramsey with a knee injury. He already had surgery on that. So their timetable down there in Miami for the star corner that remember we sat here on the show and said they got basically for a bag of chips. So they won't get to see Ramsey and Xavier Howard uh, in action together. Thankfully that's not season ending either, but it is going to be a while. They're putting that at about four months. The bad news for Tim Patrick, he suffered an ACL injury last season in training camp, torn Achilles this season, just when we were hoping to see the comeback. Maybe Tim Patrick could have saved Russ. I guess we'll never know. But what do you guys make of the training camp injuries thus far? Broncos country. Let's ride. Tim Patrick, uh, it sucks for him. But again, you still got Judy, right? You still got Cortland Sutton. Patrick's your third receiver. I don't think it's that big of a blow to him. It sucks. Sucks for Patrick personally. But I don't think that he was going to make or break the offense. I think the real question for them is going to be the running back position and Javante Williams and how he comes back. So it's I put it in the it sucks, but you know you'll get over it category. Jalen Ramsey again, that sucks. You you won't get over a talent like him, but you know at least he's making the push to come back. Dolphins should be in the thick of it come December, and that's when Ramsey thinks he'll make it back, right? So I think it's you know. It's a bad injury. You never want to see that happen, especially to one of the league's best. But you should hopefully see him this year, especially when the Dolphins are trying to get into the playoffs. And then, uh, you know, Joe Burr. It sucks. I, I really thought it was much more serious than it was. So I'm I'm pretty relieved that it wasn't, you know, an ACL, MCL, PCL, UCL, just everything in his arm and legs, just every type of ligament possible. You know, he, he's fine. He might miss a few weeks of the season. They might keep him out till October. They don't have the hardest first four games. Just keep him out, get him healthy, rehab him. But I'm excited to see how that works with uh, the quarterback show on Netflix. Because didn't it come out that he's going to be uh, one of the quarterbacks following the season? I didn't see that anyone. I saw a long list of people choosing not to be on it. I think so. He originally said no, but I think he was lying because it was reported that he'll be on it. 
unless I found a fake report, but I don't I don't think it was. It was aggregated by Dove Kleiman. So must be real. And uh another one that they were talking about could have been Justin Herbert. He said he he was open to it, but I feel like following Burrow through that injury is pretty interesting TV and maybe that quarterback show kind of move past uh, everything going on with the Jets. I, I hate uh, what's the show called? I can't even. I hate hard it so knocks. I hate hard knocks. I just think it's so pointless. It's such a distraction that maybe quarterbacks kind of replaces it. And you don't just follow quarterbacks you can follow a guy like Justin Jefferson. You know, maybe you follow a punter. Right, uh, Matt Ariza trying to get back hard. in the league. Matt Ariza trying to get back. I want to watch Kicker. Kickers are people. Kicker, too, don't forget. Well, tell me, you wouldn't love to see Justin Tucker singing some opera, I, but in a heartbeat. Exactly, Rodrigo Blankenship would be amazing watching him build some Lego sets. He, I don't know. He cost us a couple games there. <laughs> I don't know if I rock with Hot Rod anymore. No, uh, I'm a big hot rod guy, but I, know that's I think a it's Ben's guy too. One of his Georgia guys. <laughs> it is, but I just think that it's these injuries suck. But it's still early enough in camp where at least a lot of the guys that are getting banged up, they won't miss too much of the season. It's the the season ending injuries that you really got to look out for. And I don't think we've had too many to start off training camp, which is which is a pretty nice thing to see because you want to see everybody at their best. I think there was also an injury scare today, earlier today, with uh, the Bills and uh, Josh Allen. Apparently, like a linebacker hit him in the back of the leg, and he was like briefly seen limping off the field. But I think they said he got looked at by the trainers, and then was back. Then like bet was back out and finished practice. But like, it's scary, and it always seems like whenever a uh, better player, I guess, gets hurt in training camp or practice or anything, it seems like even if it's like just a very, you know, tiny injury, like maybe, you know, you, you sprained ankle or, you know, just got, you know, like pulled a muscle or something. It's like, it seems like everyone always, they blow it out of proportion almost and almost yeah. make it seem like when you see the reports, it's like headlines, like it's almost like they make every injury seem like it's going to be season ending. And then you go and read it and it's like, you know, probably out for like a week or two and stuff. But even though some of those injuries and stuff, like, String calf and stuff. I know, like even like like hamstrings and stuff. Like you worry because that can be lingering through the whole season if they don't get the rest. So you have to wonder if these teams, you know, try to get them back in and go into work and get them ready for the season to start, or they just let them rest and maybe miss a few games so they're not like it's not nagging them the whole season. Yeah, and that's what the media does. I mean, they see a guy from their standpoint, they see a guy fall over and get carted off, and it's like it comes out an hour or two later. It's hot around the country. This is like. A scorching summer, just dehydrated. Nothing to worry about. That's usually how it goes. But sometimes they do need those initial tests with the team doctors and medical evaluators. But let's get into our division deep dive. Today, we're tackling the NFC North. This was a division that was ruled by Aaron Rodgers for so many years. He was the face of one franchise and the owner of another one in this division. Obviously, playing for Green Bay, owning Chicago. Those days are over. We'll talk about more Aaron Rodgers when we cover the AFC East in the coming weeks. The Vikings won this division pretty handedly last year. They had a 13 and 4 record. That includes an impressive 11 and 0 record in one score games. That I don't think that is going to even come close to happening again for this team this year. Uh, their projected win total sitting at eight and a half. They had some big additions by Murphy, 
uh, Marcus Davenport, and of course the first rounder, Jordan Addison. Meanwhile, they bring in Byron Murphy from Arizona. They lost another former Arizona corner in Patrick Peterson. They lost big-time linebacker Eric Kendricks and tight end Irv Smith, who obviously wasn't going to play much of a role with TJ Hawkinson now there in town. But My fantasy darling right there, Ryan. Corey's fantasy darling. So, I mean, what do you guys – where do you see Minnesota going? Do you think above or below that eight-and-a-half total? I just want to put my fantasy darling was Irv Smith. I was on him for two years, ready and waiting for him to break out, stashing him on my bench, and I got bupkis from him. So the breakout I mean, that hurts. But you know, they upgraded that tight end position, right? They made that midseason trade for TJ Hawkinson. And I'm going to the the over on the Vikings win, right? You said eight and a half, right? And I think they're still going to be a really good team. Captain Kirk is still there. He's still in the prime of his career. He's a good quarterback. He's still somebody you could win with. He's on the better side of average. Somebody that you could, you know, put some stars around him and, you know, watch him do something. I get losing Dalvin Cook's going to hurt, but Alexander Madison finally has a chance to step up. Let him give a try. He's got the talent. And, you know, if that doesn't work out, you pivot. You have such a great offense. Justin Jefferson, right? I mean, Nobody was more important to any team last year outside of Patrick Mahomes than Justin Jefferson was to the Vikings' success. And I think he's more important than most of the quarterbacks in the league because the Vikings aren't where they are without Justin Jefferson. So having him there, I would always give the Vikings a chance to win any game. They're not going to go 11-0 and one-score games. But I also don't think they're going to be in 11 one-score games to even have an opportunity to match that. Not to mention their fourth-quarter comebacks, some overtime wins. They're a good team. They still got a very good coach. They're on the right track. They're not going to go by the wayside. We might see that, you know, in a year or two where they start to falter, but it doesn't start this year to me. I I agree with Corey. I mean, I think I have the Vikings over that eight and a half mark. I mean, I don't think their team necessarily got any like better. Didn't really, I don't think got like drastically worse. I think they're kind of around hanging around the same thing that, you know, were last year. They might not do as good as they did last year, but I think they're going to hit that over eight and a half mark. Yeah, I think they get past that point as well. I think definitely just a little natural regression, like to go 11 and all in those sorts of games, the ball has to bounce your way. And I mean, look at that Buffalo game. It literally did. Josh Allen fumbles a snap right outside of his own end zone. If that doesn't happen, they don't win that game. So different things like that. Obviously, the huge Colts meltdown uh, later on in the year. 11 and all in those types of games just not going to happen again but I'm intrigued to see how Jordan Addison does replacing Adam Thielen and like you said Dalvin Cook out Alexander Madison in I think this offense will still be extremely dynamic very profitable for fantasy football this defense is still a massive concern for me however they get past that eight and a half mark but not by much uh Detroit finished nine and eight they were the talk of the town last year for a team that didn't make the playoffs they just missed out their win total sits at nine and a half. They have the highest win total, projected win total in this division. They're a team, I think, does also get past that uh, that mark. Uh, they completely reshaped their running back room. Out is Jamal Williams, who had a fantastic season. The touchdown vulture. I say that as a big DeAndre Swift fantasy owner from a year ago. Quite frustrating. Um, so Swift out, Williams out. In comes David Montgomery from rival Chicago and first round pick Jameer Gibbs, 
They had C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He had an injury scare of his own, but he's cleared. He's already been back to practice. They had some big-time defensive pieces in the draft as well. Brian Branch, uh, Jack Campbell, who I was a big fan of. Uh, but there are receivers. They lose D.J. Chark, Jamison Williams. He was coming off the ACL injury last year, and then he got hit with a suspension for gambling on team premises. That's a big no-no. Uh, so are you guys buying into the Detroit Lions hype going into this year? Are you ready to run through a brick wall for Dan Campbell hopped up on a couple iced coffees? Cause I think I am. I'm definitely am. I'm, I'm definitely running through that wall with you. I mean, what he's coming into what, his third year coaching and stuff. So he's starting to get a hang of it. I think get the players going. I mean, they just fell short last year, but I mean, I, I think they're coming back and I think the division, I think might've got a little, weaker there with Aaron Rodgers leaving and you got some of the other pieces from the Packers leaving and you don't really know what the Packers have with Jordan Love yet so I mean I think the Lions could almost take the take the division there I mean I don't I don't see what really is stopping them I think they have a really good shot at taking the division and making it in playoff run did you guys see the reports today that Dan Campbell wanted to have a live lion on the sidelines during games and the Lions ownership approved it but Good old no fun Roger shot it down. I mean, just imagine, you know, just having a lion on the sidelines with a he's coach saying that he's going to bite your kneecaps off. Three right there. The lion goes missing this time. This one's tough for me. Nine and a half's a lot. I part of me wants to go under, but like if I go under, it's only to the extent of eight wins at the bottom, ten wins at the most. So I'm going to go with as close to a push as possible. Cause I think nine wins is probably right around where they're actually going to get. I still don't love their team. They have a great head coach, but a lot of their wins last year were gritty wins. I mean, they blew out, you know, the giants, they murdered the giants, but you know, they still struggled in some aspects. It's just, I think they're a year away. And once they can get Jamison Williams in, it can really fix that wide receiver room. I don't trust any of their running backs. I mean, I don't love first-year running backs, right? And then on top of that, David Montgomery is not that good, in my opinion. So their running back room is going to be a question mark, relying on a, a mediocre back and a rookie. They don't really have a standout wide receiver aside from uh, uh, what's-his-face? Uh, the sun god. The sun god, Amon Ross St. Brown. Hell yeah. You have him. You don't really have anybody to pair him with. Plus, you're tight end. You got rid of one of the best tight ends in all of football in TJ Hawkinson. Your defense is getting there, but I'm not sure it's quite there yet. And good coaching can only take you so far. I think they're a wild card competitor, maybe even a competitor for their division. But I think the under is probably the safer bet right now than the over. Yeah, I'm not ready to vault them into the category like with Philly. What I think the Giants could be this year, Dallas, San Francisco, some of the more elite teams in the conference, but they'll definitely be in play to the bitter end for this division. Uh, On to Green Bay here. 8-9 last year, they lost to Detroit in the final week of the season. That loss cost them a playoff spot. It was a simple win and you're in. Detroit said, nah, nah, you're not going if we're not going. And that vaulted Seattle into the playoffs. But for Green Bay this year, Jordan Love has the keys. They lost Alan Lazard. Uh, they lost some of the old heads, uh, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, obviously Aaron Rodgers. 
but some other guys too. Robert Tunyon, the tight end. Adrian Amos, former Penn State guy there for John. He's out the door. Uh, they had a big draft class, starting with Lucas Van Ness in the first round and a couple other weapons. Uh, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed in the second round. So we just got to kind of see what Jordan Love can do. And I'll say this in the defense of Jordan Love, because he hasn't looked very impressive in his little limited action thus far. Aaron Rodgers started here and there when Brett Favre was still in town. And even that 2008 season, not overly impressive for Aaron Rodgers. So then we saw what he became. So I'm not saying Jordan Love is going to be the next big thing, but I have learned with this team, this franchise, they like to draft and develop over across the generations. So I will trust them. I'll let the process play out. Seven and a half, though, I don't think they get beyond seven. Give me the under on that. I, I I just can't imagine they strike oil twice with drafting a quarterback in the first round, getting your franchise quarterback upset at the franchise, having a less than optimal departure with said franchise guy, and then having the, the new guy that you drafted a couple years prior become, you know, a really good quarterback. It's a miracle it happened once. I don't know why you would bank on it happening twice. Love hasn't looked good in his limited action. And honestly, you don't hear reports out of camp saying that he looks all that great either. He just, there's just something fundamentally wrong with that approach because no other team has done it. And if it actually did work, don't you think other teams would, you know, consider doing that? Like, don't you think the Pats would have taken a guy? I mean, I know you had the Jimmy G situation, but Tom Brady outlasted Jimmy G there. But you have these guys, like, do you think the, the, you think the Chiefs are going to draft Mahomes' successor with Mahomes still under contract for a couple of years and kind of ruin that relationship? It just doesn't seem prudent to me. It just doesn't make sense. So I'm taking the under. I think the Packers will be shopping for a new quarterback sooner than later anyway, too. And I just, going on their defense, their defense is not good. The Packers are going to have a real struggle this year against a, a vast, improving NFC. I'm going to take the under also. I mean, you, I mean, you can talk about J, you know, Jordan Love and all that stuff and everything, but you really don't know what you have yet. I mean, he hasn't played a full season yet, so it's like you can speculate all you want and stuff and say that, you know, he doesn't look in the training camp and all that. And from the limited time he played, he didn't look, you know, there's no flashes of greatness. But it's like you don't know what you have until you play a full season. And maybe it might be more than a season because, I mean, this is going to be his first full season in the league. So, you know, he may not come out of the gates blazing here and be like the next Aaron Rodgers. I'm assuming like how the Packers hope he will be, but you know, I, I, but the real question here is like long-term is just, what do you got with Jordan love is if he's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers, or if he's just going to be kind of a bust and they're going to be looking for a replacement. Like Corey said, I mean, that that's the biggest question right now is just how good Jordan love does. And I'm just not sure his first, you know, full year, if he's going to get it done. Yeah, 2023 shapes up to be a big tryout year for Jordan Love, so we'll see if he can rise to the occasion or not. The Chicago Bears, they rose their way to the first overall pick in this year's draft, proceeded to, I mean, just get a monster deal from Carolina in a trade down. They're trying to help Justin Fields. They acquired DJ Moore. They used the ninth overall pick on a, a offensive lineman, Darnell Wright, who this has been one of my favorite, I think, little stories from training camp thus far. 
So Darnell Wright, the big offensive lineman, like 330-something pounds, accidentally did the wide receiver conditioning test throughout the offseason. So he showed up to camp, and the coaches are like, wow, you're in amazing shape. He's like, I did the receiver ones, not the offensive line ones. So I'm interested to see my coaches start adding a little more time and distance to the offensive lineman running. I'm sure they would all collectively hate that uh, as much as running backs hate their uh, market structure right now for getting paid. But they brought in, I mean, a bunch of other guys, Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, uh, both on the defensive side. And they're uh, the only loss I have really written down for them was David Montgomery, who Corey just said, he doesn't even think he's that good. So maybe in Corey's eyes, Chicago really didn't lose that much at all. Maybe they really only improved. So their projected win total after going three and 14 last year with green Bay at seven and a half. I'm not buying that. I'm slamming the under. What do you guys think for Chicago this year? Did you know that uh, that what's his face uh, Justin Fields has more MVP votes uh, bets I should say than Mahomes, Herbert, and Josh Allen combined on points bet? Think about that. Where is that coming from? Like I don't understand where all this Justin Fields hype is coming from. Like coming from Jalen Hurts, they they think he's going to take that Hurts like leap. I, I think they're crazy. They are crazy. I'm taking the under, going hard with the under. I might actually throw some shekels on the under. I, I Justin Fields isn't good. Remember when the Bears started off real strong last year, and that guy goes, that guy tweeted out, he goes, well, "Do all these pundits think the Bears are going to go one and eleven now to end the year to get their predictions right?" And then the Bears proceeded to go one and eleven to end the year, and everybody got that four win prediction. The Bears just aren't built to win. I just don't know what they have. They're going to have a better defense. I don't love their offense. I don't think Fields has what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. Everybody thinks he could be like, you know, Hertz or Cam Newton or Lamar. He just, looking at him last year, he just doesn't seem to have had the high IQ plays. His biggest highlight last year was doing slip and slide on the field. I just don't get the hype there. I'm hitting the under. I think they're going to end up being competing with Arizona for being the worst team in the uh, in the NFC. I mean, I'm going to hit the under two. I mean, I think they might do maybe a little better than last year. I mean, you at least hope they do. Because I'm assuming you're the Bears. You don't want to repeat of what happened last year. But, I mean, maybe not. I mean, maybe they want another high draft pick. Who knows? But, I mean, I, I just don't understand where all this Justin Fields has come from. Like, you know, one day I just look out online and everyone's just going like he's next, like Corey said, next MVP bears are going to run the tables. I'm seeing all this. And I just, it's just all on. I just seems all unfounded. Like they're just making stuff up to talk about and get clicks. Like, I, I don't even know where this is founded, and other than just like very, very high speculation founded on nothing. It, it just seems like a load of nonsense. I mean, uh, the, they're they're not I don't they're not anywhere near that I just don't Justin Fields is just he's not the guy he's not that guy he's not going to be the next Jalen Hurts Cam Newton Lamar Jackson he's he's just not if he was he would have you would have seen it already he's just not going to come in this year and he's an app just be that quarterback I I just I really don't know where all, all of it's coming from and they really need to stop with it because I think a lot of people probably a lot of Bears fans getting their hopes up and it's just going to get crushed once the season comes. Let's throw, before we give our final predictions, let me put a different perspective on this. You guys both 
obviously not a big fan of Justin Fields. I'm not I'm not one of those guys saying he's going to have an MVP season. I think he's okay. Do you like Justin Fields for fantasy? Because, Corey, I do disagree you saying his best highlight was playing slip inside. He had a lot of monster runs. Now, that's not helping the quarterback narrative. He's probably closer to what people think Lamar Jackson is, just a running back playing quarterback. But uber valuable for fantasy with that rushing upside. With that perspective, does that change your opinions a little bit? Even for fantasy, I put him outside the top 12 fantasy viable quarterbacks. Really? Just off the top of my head, you got Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Allen, Hertz, Lamar, right? That's six right there. Then you get into Trevor Lawrence, Tua. These are guys that even Jared Goff and Daniel Jones, I think, have higher fantasy upside than him. I think they're more viable options. And I know that there's other quarterbacks that's just slipping my mind that I'm not even thinking of since I'm not looking at a list. So I just think that he's a very he's a bubble candidate in a two QB league in a super flex. Yeah, you go for it. He could be a nice streamer option. Or if you go quarterback very late, then yeah, he's not he's a nice option. I just don't know if I trust him. You don't want him quarterback to constantly use their legs. You want them to be able to throw too. And he just hasn't shown that he's proficient enough with that. Even some of the rookies like Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. I think might end up having a more fantasy viable season than him because these are guys in situations tailored to him, tailored to them. And I think they're all three in kind of better situations than the bears have right now, at least for offensive production because his lone fantasy viable uh, stat is the rushing yards. And I don't even think he gets all that many rushing touchdowns to begin with. Who's he going to throw to Cole Komet? I know he got that big contract, but Cole Komet's not that good either if we're going to be frank about it. You're not big on DJ Moore coming to town? I was big on DJ Moore four years ago. <laughs> DJ Moore hasn't ever done it for me, though. I feel like I've kind of fallen off that DJ Moore wagon. I mean, running quarterbacks are always going to be good in fantasy just purely because rushing touchdowns are worth more than passing touchdowns. So a rushing quarterback's always going to usually score more fantasy points than a, like a quarterback who's a pocket passer and doesn't you know get out of the pocket a lot and rush for touchdowns. I mean, and just because they're a good fantasy quarterback doesn't always translate into a good like an actual good quarterback on the field in games. Like I mean, I think there were a few years where Tom Brady was good, really good quarterback, but wasn't always the best fantasy quarterback because he wasn't you know throwing passing touchdowns not worth as much as rushing touchdowns. So it just doesn't always translate back and forth, you know, you know, one-to-one between, you know, real life to fantasy football. So, I mean, even though Fields might be a good fantasy, you know, option at quarterback and might get you a lot of points and stuff, that doesn't make him a good quarterback on the field. All right, so then how do you guys see this division at the end of the season? Who's at the top? Who's at the bottom? So for me, I have the Vikings winning that division. The Lions, they're in second. They're Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts away. I had to throw that in there. But I, I do think the Lions end up falling short of the Vikings, followed by the Packers and the Bears in the in the cellar. I just think those two teams are going to battle it out for being bad. But I think the, the the standings don't change from last year. I think we get a pretty similar feel with, you know, the Vikings coming down a peg and the Lions maybe going up a rung, but still having a – a slight difference between the two and the level of competition. 
I have the Lions winning the division. I'm really high on the Lions this year. I think, you know, Dan Campbell's going to come in, going to coach the team. They're going to lead the teams and lead the team to the division win. And I have the Vikings just falling short behind the Lions this year, not making it. Maybe they'll be like a wild card team. Anything short of like Jordan Love coming in around the tables, Packers at Packers third, and then the Bears last in the division like last year. I don't see them changing too much. So I, I have the same order as you, John, but a little bit different. I think I have the Vikings and the Lions both at 10 wins with the Lions actually having the tiebreaker that gives them the division. Packers, I think, lose a few more games than they did last year, and the Bears do win a few more. I'm a little higher on Chicago, apparently. Not as high. Like I'm not expecting anything great. I'm talking about five wins, and I think Green Bay goes down to like six or seven. So the gap there shortens, but still Packers in third, still Bears in fourth. And I think I found the big bet between Corey and I. Who's going to be the better fantasy pick in the fifth or sixth round, Kyle Pitts or Justin Fields? We're going to have to keep tabs on that as we go through this. How many uh, playoff teams do we see coming out of this division, realistically? Two at most. Two at most, right. More than two. Do we think that there's a better chance for two than one or one than two? I think two because I look at, and we'll talk about the NFC South, I think they send one. Uh, and then I think the West and East both send two. I, I think really it comes down to the NFC East. I think the West might send two. So if the East is going to send three, it's because the, the North sends one. Right. I mean, the East could legitimately send every team in its division. They almost they did it last year. Yeah, very close to doing it last year. Washington wasn't eliminated until week 17, I think. The I mean, think week think about that. Sending every team in your division to the playoffs while but uh that's gonna do it for today's show all right like i said football is back the hall of fame game is this thursday we're gonna react to that some of the other training camp and preseason news and next week we're gonna cover we're gonna jump over to the afc north so make sure you follow us on twitter it's still not x i'm not recognizing it i didn't let it update on my phone i still have the true twitter at outsider sports three All right, take care. Join us next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Outsider Sports Football Podcast.